You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Some new powerhouse intro music to the Peacock and Williamson Show on the Locked On Podcast Network. This episode brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. At BD Peacock on Twitter, at Williamson NFL. Matt, did that new intro music get you pumped up for our new program here? Yeah, man, I am fired up. I love it. That's awesome. It's good stuff. We are uh, coming together. This thing is coming together well. Yeah. Good reviews, all kinds of good stuff going on. Oh, a ton of reviews. Uh, can I read a couple of reviews here? Because yeah, uh, do it. I want to shout out to all the practice squad members out there. Coming strong with the ratings and reviews, a bunch of five-star reviews for the show already. So thank you guys, and it helps us spread the word to some new potential listeners out there for Peacock and Williamson. And one practice squad member, T-Will, I think it's T-Will, not Twill, but he says, I'm willing to sign on the dotted line in order to officially become a practice squad member. Been following your show for a while, and y'all are awesome. An exciting transition for Brian and Matt but just as exciting for the listeners as well. Can't wait. Congratulations, gentlemen. So thanks to T-Will on that one. Good stuff. I like how people are signing up. They're like, where do I sign to be on the practice squad? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, try out. And practice squads expanded this year, so we can fit more even some vets on the list, right? Keith said, most trusted info. I've been listening to M-Dub since the Pod Vader days when they were among the first people doing such things. I now have about 20 or 30 podcasts on my phone, but this one is a can't miss. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Love it. So thanks for those ratings and reviews. Keep those coming on all of your favorite podcast apps. Uh, man, there's still some money being divvied out around the league, Matt. Some new contracts and some contracts that sound like they're going to be done very soon. We've got to talk about that today. And you've got some notes. And I think we're going to do monthly power rankings here. But you just did a, a power ranking recently for Pro Football Network. And you had a bunch of nuggets for every team. And I think we should check in on some of those nuggets before the season starts here this week. And so that will be a big section of this show. I do want to tease some new segments that are coming up here on the Peacock and Williamson show. I think on Tuesdays we're going to be doing our two-minute warning, which is your questions after the football weekend happens. We're going to pick the best questions, spend two minutes on certain questions that revolve around a team. It'll be the two-minute warning segment. We'll check in on stock up, stock downs. On Wednesdays we'll have a lot of guests as well midweek, and we're going to be speaking with the Action Network about some of the best picks every week on Thursdays and somebody from the Action Network is going to be making their picks. We're going to do a six-pack of picks and then Matt, when we do our picks on the Friday episodes, we're going to make our locks, our six-pack of our favorite picks and then we're going to go head-to-head and keep track of those with the Action Network and see who comes out ahead. Yeah, a lot of good stuff lined up. I I like the new schedule. Similar to the old, but some new wrinkles and uh, good stuff overall. I can't wait. So let's dig in. There's a lot going on. There is. uh, Cam Hayward. His deal has been done. He's very strong on social media, by the way. It's, it's, he's a fun follow, and there was an awesome video he posted uh, that announced his signing. He's going to be around for a long time. He, he's not a player that gets talked about a lot with the top-tier defensive lineman in the NFL, which is the same because he should be. Yeah, he should be. I mean, I think he's in that tier two behind Aaron Donald, who stands alone, uh, really playing his best football right now. He is a little up in age, so, I mean, it, there's a little concern that, hey, are we going to invest this much in a, an older player? But I can assure you he is the man in that locker room, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, he is a big-time leader. 
He grew up, I mean, his his dad was Ironhead Hayward, a pit guy. So, I mean, he's the typical stealer that they lock up for eternity and goes down as one of the better players in franchise history at his position and uh, just a long line of those guys. I didn't think it was going to get done. We actually had Mr. Rooney on our uh, radio show last week, and he pretty much said we're kind of in a holding pattern with extensions. We're not sure where the the cap's going to be next year. It's nothing against Cam. But the fact that this one got done after hearing the owner say that last week really implies to me that these teams are not afraid to spend money. It's crazy. We're seeing a ton of deals get done now, and that that is a great sign for the league that teams are willing to spend money. And on some running backs, Adam Schefter reporting that Alvin Kamara is extremely close to finalizing a multi-year contract extension somewhere between $12 million and probably less than Christian McCaffrey's $16 million per year. So, you know, 13 to $15 million sounds about right, I think, for what Alvin Kamara is going to get. My question with Alvin Kamara, and who knows, by the time some of you listeners are hearing this episode, some of these deals might be done that are, are very close around the league, reportedly. But knowing that this is the go-all-in year and knowing that this is Drew Brees' last season, most likely, in the NFL – is a running back the player to build around for the future? Is that the idea here with Kamara? Or should they start to try to tear things down a little bit more and worry about running back last when they've got things going again? Or do you, do you think they're in a situation, they showed it a little bit with Teddy Bridgewater in the past, that they can still win games without Drew Brees next year? Uh, interesting. I mean, they're obviously all in it to win it. I mean, they're not going to let what might be their best player get in the way or cause waves this year when they're all, all their chips are in the middle of the table. Um, Looking long-term, I think that's a good question, but I think it's pretty clear that running backs that affect the passing game a great deal. You mentioned McCaffrey, Mixon got done. A lot of this from this amazing class, unlike Fournette, teams are paying them. And I think that the running back market has changed dramatically And I think wisely teams are looking at these guys and saying they're not just a running back in the old sense. These guys are weapons. They're multifaceted players and our offense is so much better with them. And it sounds like green Bay is maybe on the verge of doing the same. Yeah. Aaron Jones, uh, the reports that that deal is getting very close too. And I wonder how much, if you're Aaron Jones, you like seeing all these running backs getting deals right now leading into the season because you, I mean, Aaron Jones is a tier behind those guys. So I don't know what he can expect to get, but as soon as, um, you know, McCaffrey gets $16 million and what was Derrick Henry, $14 million per year or something like that? Um, and, you know, 13 to $15 million again for Alvin Kamara. If you're Aaron Jones' agent, you're asking for that money. I don't know what he's going to end up getting, but it's good for other running backs who who want to get re-upped to see this money flowing in in their position group because there was a time earlier this offseason where we were like, are, 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 are anybody ever going to pay a running back again? Right, and a couple notes here. On the, the Dynasty Blueprint podcast I do, and bum, 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 huge news. Oh. Dynasty Blueprint no longer exists. It was brought over to the Locked On Network. Wow. So we have Locked On Dynasty. I think I'm going to record one tonight, but don't don't quote me on that. So please look that up. There's going to be several hosts, but myself and Ryan McDowell are going to do two days a week, and we're the original hosts from Dynasty Blueprint. Uh, we brought David on on Friday, and he made all this happen and wanted to get Dynasty incorporated into the network, and we were the best one out there. 
so made us an offer we couldn't refuse and joining another party to the to the uh, the locked on network so good stuff there couldn't be more excited about that yeah fantastic news i yeah. like that breaking so, news you broke it on me as well it's fantastic yeah we just found out last night that it was done deal and we're rolling along and everything has been moved over so i bring that up because when the packers drafted aj dillon a lot of people thought man they're gonna let jamal williams and aaron jones go and i said often on that former podcast I think Aaron Jones is going to be the Kamara to the Latavius Murray or Ingram, you know I mean? And Williams will go, you know I mean? They're not going to have anything invested in Jamal Williams, but I expect Jones to catch a ton of passes this year, maybe second on the team, to be honest with you. I think his role in the passing game is about to explode and it was already pretty strong. I'm with you though. I think the Packers will get a good deal on him. I mean, I don't think he's going to be super expensive, um, should be pretty happy about his situation, but I think he's going to be well worth it, assuming that all does get done. What are your thoughts on A.J. Dillon eating into that role a little bit? I watched some more A.J. Dillon because I was like, okay, they're <laughs> one of the most famous photos. There's no preseason games, but this month, one of the most famous things around the league was just a, fi- a picture of A.J. Dillon in his Packers uniform. I don't think there was even pads on, but seeing his legs, he's got tree trunks for legs. And uh, there was some excitement about him with the Packers and, you know, that there might be a thunder and lightning situation going on there. And I was like, you know, maybe I missed on A.J. Dillon. He was drafted so high. Let me go back and watch him. I went back and watched his Boston College tape. He was really sluggish. Like, I'm not on board with A.J. Dillon, so I'm still buying on Aaron Jones, like, owning that backfield. Yeah, I, I didn't love the pick when it happened. I didn't love him coming out. I don't want to say he's Brandon Jacobs. I mean, that's a pretty slap in the face in my opinion i mean he was such a straight line plotter and but he's closer to that than he is jerome bettis you know what i mean like he's not real laterally agile when he gets on a track he gets going and to some degree derrick henry is that way where lafleur came from but henry's so Mm. much more special in so many other ways and when he gets on that track and that zone scheme He's just such a nightmare to get to the ground. And I don't think Dylan's in that class. So again, like from a dynasty note, a fantasy note, I think Aaron Jones is sitting pretty. Yeah. It's one thing for me to sit here and say, yeah, you know what? He didn't look as explosive enough to me in college. And it's another thing looking at those tree trunks for legs in real live action to go tackle that man too. So, <laughs> right. And, and that's a good point. And I like what you said there, getting a runway is important for him because once he gets going, he's got ahead of steam and he can move a little bit, but it's that short area stuff. It worries me a little bit about A.J. Dillon. One more player, Matt, that we need to talk about that a deal looks like it is eminent. Star wide receiver in the NFL. We'll get to that and your nuggets throughout the league on your latest power rankings right here. Peacock and Williamson. You already know where rockauto.com ranks. Family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Super easy website to find anything you need, any brand, any model, any year. Fuel pump assemblies? RockAuto.com has it. Tail lamps? You bet. Engine control modules? Do you even know what that is? Well then, RockAuto.com is the place for you. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Choose the exact specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com. Always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts elsewhere? 
Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. RockAuto.com. The Arizona Cardinals, after giving up some draft picks and players to trade for wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, now Ian Rappaport is reporting that the Cardinals are finalizing an extension with DeAndre Hopkins. That I mean, this is going to be a big money extension, and I think this is what we're seeing why Houston didn't want to hold on to DeAndre Hopkins. If he wasn't in the long-term plans, they were wanting to pay some other people, pay the quarterback, they had to pay their left tackle. And if you weren't going to pay him long-term, I understand the idea of trading for him. I think they could have gotten a lot better deal, but I understand the concept of maybe moving on from a player who's going to take a, a, you know, a big chunk of money to sign him in DeAndre Hopkins. And now we'll just find out when that deal is done what kind of contract he gets. 28 years old, uh, he still has a couple of years left on his deal, but uh, sounds like there's going to be a massive contract because wide receiver money right now is huge, and I don't think he's going to get that $20 million Julio money, but he's going to get a chunk of change. Yeah, 100%. And again, I mean, it's easy to kill Bill O'Brien, and I'm with you. He didn't get enough in return, but he just paid Watson. Your console's going to, all these guys are going to make tons of money. And Hopkins is not the most fleet of foot and is getting up in age and struggles to get separation now. Will he still be able to? Does it matter because he's so good in contested catch situations? So I don't fault the Texans for moving on from him. I fault them for what they got in return, like you said. But on the other side, the Cardinals are sending a message, kind of like they did with Buda Baker, that when we go after somebody we're going to invest in them and this is for the long haul we're not a flash in the pan team we're building around a really good young quarterback and what my take of it was i guess hopkins looked pretty good so far in camp that is to be expected i mean he's at his prime and he could add a scary element to that offense um Here's you mentioned separation. And I thought this was interesting and I thought DeAndre Hopkins might show up on this list. This flew blew, flew by my timeline the other day. Uh it was relayed from Alex Rollins on Twitter, but it's NFL Next Gen Stats. This is the top 6 wide receivers in least amount of separation last year according to Next Gen Stats and they're they're actually monitoring where players are on the field. So this isn't like I mean, this is like literally, you know, when they do the miles per hour, mm-hmm. that comes from next gen, next gen stats. Um, this is the least amount of separation last year, according to next gen stats. Kenny Galladay was number one on the list with huh. only 1.9 yards of separation. And I don't know if this is average separation per catch. It uh, doesn't say that, but um, Mike Williams, number two, Marvin Jones, three at 2.1 yards. Uh, tied with him was Terry McLaurin. Preston Williams and Devontae Parker all at 2.1 yards of separation. Now, this what 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 really jumped out to me on this is DeAndre Hopkins wasn't in, and he's so good at the catch point. I thought um, this is this sounds like something where DeAndre Hopkins is going to show up. He did not, but almost everyone on this list is a bigger-bodied guy that can go up and get the ball. You know, Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, uh, Kenny Galladay, Mike Williams. Uh, I can totally understand why those players would be on the list. They're they're really good at at jump balls, going up and and pulling down a ball in a crowd. Terry McLaurin is the one that sticks out to me. I don't think it's uh, an end-all, be-all statistic. It's just something interesting that I saw, and I thought, wow, Terry McLaurin is glowing right now on this list because he doesn't fit in with the style of the rest of these players. And I don't know if it's anything to worry about, but I just just found that stat interesting. 
I, I do think that's interesting. And there's a lot of jump ball guys. There's a lot of rebounders, you know, Galladay, those type of dudes, Mike Williams types. Um, and I kind of get a little something off my chest here, I guess. Like, I respect the heck out of the next-gen stat situation and the miles per hour stuff they do. But I still, I'm not sure that it's dead on. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I'm no one to judge. But, like, when you tell me Leonard Fournette's faster than Tyree Kill, I kind of put an eyebrow up. And in this case, like, correct me if I'm wrong, you were saying these are the worst guys in the league at separating, and they're getting, like, 2.1 yards per separation, correct? I think what this is, it doesn't say, but I'm guessing what this is, is per catch. So a lot of times you're wide open on a catch, you know. Okay. So this is averaging those catches. So this is the fewest yards per separation per catch is, is what I'm getting from this at 1.9 yards or two yards. So sometimes, you know, they might have five yards, eight yards of separation or, you know, be, you know, catch a, catch a screen pass where there's just nobody else around them. And then other times, you know, you're catching the ball downfield. And another thing is a lot of these guys catch balls downfield where um, there tends to be someone pretty close to you in a lot of those cases. Yeah. Okay. Well that, I hadn't thought of it from that perspective because I'm sitting here thinking if you give Drew Brees (laughs) or 2.1 yards yards of separation and that's the worst, they're no one's They're going to score a hundred points. You know, like that's huge. Two point one yards of separation in the NFL is gigantic. No, that's a great now point. Like two yards is plenty. Yeah. So if that's the worst, then that's that's very good. So I'm I'm guessing that's mm-hmm. an average of their receptions. And I need to go deeper into that statistic. But it's something that flew by, and I just saw the name McLaurin on there, and I thought, well, that is strange because he doesn't belong with those players on this list. Yeah, he's not like the others. You're 100 percent right. To your original point, I agree. Real quick note: Jacksonville Jaguars. After all of the changes that are happening there and sending players away. The last man standing at running back was not a name that I expected to see as a starter in week one in the 2020 season. That is James Robinson. He is listed as the starting running back right now on the roster. Reichwell Armstead uh, has some COVID issues right now. Divine Ozigbo is a player I actually liked a lot coming out of college, was undrafted, and is uh, I think he's on his second team now. I can't remember who who uh, who signed him originally as an undrafted free agent. Saints? Oh, yeah, there you go. It was the Saints. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah. I liked him, too. I thought he'd be yeah. like a fifth-round pick. And so I might be buying some stock there. You have, you know, your uh, your receiving type back and Chris Thompson there. So, you know, I, I don't know if any running back in Jacksonville is going to get the full load. But it sounds like right now, week one, the first carry is going to go to James Robinson. It was a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, and I don't know a whole lot about him. I mean, it, it's uh, we'll see. It's a great opportunity for him. It's funny, I took both Damian Harris, who just went on IR, and Armstead in my fantasy draft on Saturday. Going to have to wait on them or dump them or whatever. Um, But the more I thought about after I took Armstead even then was, I think Chris Thompson's the fantasy back to own, just because I think they're going to be losing all the time, at least until he stays healthy, as long as he stays healthy. That's a great point. Throwing from behind, and you know exactly what his role is going to be, and he doesn't have really yeah. any competition for that specific role in the Jaguars roster. So uh, that's a great point there. That that might be the smart money in that backfield right now. Yeah, but he's obviously a very specialized player. Like he's he's not going to get the first carry. You know, he's not going to be the goal line guy. He's not going to be the the typical running back. James Robinson loaded the ground five nine two twenty two out of Illinois State went undrafted. So they got a bunch of undrafted guys battling out there. I'm kind of surprised they didn't try to. Uh, try to claim anybody off waivers either at that position to just add to that room. So uh, Jacksonville is going to be an interesting team here. This might be a good way to lead into your, your nuggets in the latest power rankings. 
Matt, and uh, I'm looking down here at the very bottom at 32, and yep, just as I suspected, the Jacksonville Jaguars are your 32-ranked team in the NFL. We're not going to get really into where these teams are ranked so much. This isn't about the power rankings, but I just thought you had a, a bunch of interesting nuggets on these teams here. For Jacksonville, the Jaguars went into halftime on average, losing by 5.8 points last year. So that bad. was worst in the league, and uh, as you note here, awfully difficult to overcome. Yeah, I mean, that's just brutal. I mean, it uh, to start that slow, I mean, there's teams like Baltimore that were the total opposite. And, you know, to, to force a team to it, it, just think about game script, you know, like if Baltimore has a lead, boy, they're so much harder to play against. If the Jags have a lead, okay, maybe there'll be a little bit, you know, keep it, keep things reined in a little bit, but they never could. And we're always playing, you know, your style of game late in games and, I fear it's going to be even worse this year. I mean, maybe that's what we should do. When we mention these nuggets. Do we think they'll be noticeably better or worse in these categories? I don't know that it's going to be a heck of a lot better. It's hard to project the Jaguars better. Yeah. And I think yeah. just about every opening season power rankings you see will have Jaguars 32. And you kind of have to. And Jags fans might not like it, but that's where they're at right now. And they, they got rid of some of their best players. Uh, and, and, you know, it's hard. It's hard for any team to overcome that much loss, especially if you weren't that great to begin with. Right, right. And just playing from behind is so brutal. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but teams that are losing at halftime, as you would imagine, but they lose a very, very high percentage of games in the NFL. And that lends to your idea that Chris Thompson's the running back to own, throw him from behind yeah. in the second half of football games. So go pick up Chris Thompson if he's available on your waiver wire. Hope he stays healthy. <laughs> That's right. All right. More Peacock and Williamson coming up. Some more nuggets on the latest power rankings from the Pro Football Network. Matt, your latest power rankings at PFM, you're gonna you're gonna be doing those weekly at Pro Football Network, is that right? Yeah, with a, some little theme to, to them each week. Okay. You know, like this was a preseason one of you know, some nuggets from last year. Do things like, you know, harp on the turnover differential on week four or, you know, something like that. You okay. know, every year, every week, there'll be a little theme. And probably once a month, I think we'll check in on those here yeah. on the show, too. And, you know, a little, you know, stock up, stock down, as we'll do every week. I think that'll be a part of the stock up, stock down every so often. You know, the quarter marks of the season. Find out where these teams are, because I think the way we think about these teams right now has uh, is heavily influenced by 2019. And as we know, things get shaken up pretty quick around the NFL. And so by week four, we might feel a lot different about some of these teams. But I do want to highlight some of the notes here you have in your latest from PFN. Let's start with the reigning Super Bowl champions, Kansas City Chiefs. Last year, the Chiefs led on the scoreboard for 37 and a half minutes of clock time nearly per average. Only the Ravens were better at 38.54 seconds of clock time uh, leading during games. And that's amazing because that means they scored first and right. stayed ahead. Right. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, 60 minutes of clock time and you are on top. If you look at the scoreboard any given time, close to 39 minutes and 37 and a half for Kansas City being second there. And again, I kind of make the note that remember game starts zero zero. So as soon as that whistle goes, you're not able to, and you know, right off the bat, you are cutting into your time to, right. to enhance this number. So if it's a zero zero first quarter, you have no chance. I mean, it's amazing. So it's, it's unreal. And I, like, I wonder, when you look at time yeah, of possession so after the game too, and this is different than time of possession, obviously, but in an NFL game to have that much 
uh, to, to run that much of a football game is a lot. If you see time of possession, you see 37, oh. 38 minutes that you uh, that you had the ball or something, that you're like, oh, this team blew out the other team because they just owned the rock the whole time. And I know this is different. This is uh, scoring, but this one's almost even more so when you when you look at it that much. And it's not surprising that the two teams that led that last year, 38 minutes and 37 minutes, Baltimore and Kansas City are your top two teams here in your power rankings. Right, right. I mean, just think of it. Like it, when someone says, boy, they, their average time possession is 35 minutes. You, you say, boy, that's pretty good. But the reality is it's awesome because it's 10 minutes more than their opponent. I right. mean, that's a big percentage of the game. It's one-sixth of the game more. I mean, that is gigantic. And I, I wanted to mention Baltimore, too, because it ties into how bad Jacksonville was going into the half and whatnot. But the Ravens went in the locker room at halftime with on average a 7.2 point lead. And after the first quarter, it was 5.3. I mean, if you're down basically seven to two or, you know, whatever it is, 12, seven after the first quarter already, you're doomed. And again, I'm super high on the Ravens, but this is very, very key to their success because we saw it in the playoff game. They're certainly much, much better with the lead they can play their style and lean on you and beat the crap out of you. So that's a big deal with Baltimore to me that I'm going to be watching this year is how do the first quarter, the first halves, how do they go for these, you know, this team where Kansas city, you know, as we saw in the super bowl and against Houston, I mean, if they're down 20 at the half, it ain't over yet. Right. Yeah. And that's why Baltimore can run the ball so much more than every other team in the league. And they're so good at running the ball. Mm-hmm. You're down on an average of seven to seven point two points per game against the Ravens. You're going to lose because they're just going to cram it down your throat at that point. Uh, so and that's why they're uh, they read they led for so much of the, the time of possess- or the, the clock as well. So. Uh, all those right. things blending together, why those two teams are, are really good. I didn't mean to, I wasn't expecting to go all the way down the list here, but number three is interesting as well. The New Orleans Saints here, uh, they won 13 games last year, despite losing the penalty yardage differential by 350 yards in 2019. Only the Raiders were worse. That's one of those things where the Saints can get a lot better than they were last year. Yeah, and those t- kinds of things usually come back to the mean and I mean, if, just think about that. I mean, if you're going to give up that much hidden yardage over the course of a year, there's teams that don't have, you know, 350 yards of offense. You know, I mean, that's like a whole game's worth almost you're conceding. One of the most fascinating teams to start this year is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How different are they going to look with Tom and Gronk? And uh, their defense was already really good and they're ready to go. I'm, in my redraft leagues, I'm targeting Tampa Bay's defense in every league. I don't like the, the week one matchup against the Saints. That one could yeah. be a shootout. But just holding on to the ball more and not throwing the ball to the other team on offense, this defense is going to be really good. And if Tom Brady is anything close to vintage Tom Brady, look out for the Tampa Bay Bucks. You have them at number eight. I, I think they might end up higher than this in the end. But here's an interesting one from them. They finished 2019 with a losing record, but were winning by four points on average at halftime over the course of their 16 games. Now let's imagine the Bucks not turning the ball over so much. Wow. Right. I mean, they're yeah, already I mean, primed for that turnaround, even if they didn't add Tom Brady, if they just had a, you know, whatever league average quarterback in there. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't dislike Winston, but if you just get back to the mean in terms of turning the ball over from the quarterback position, I think the Bucks would have been a contender last year. Now they're even better. And Brady doesn't have to be Superman, but that's amazing. I mean, we're talking about different, you know, going into halftime with leads and whatnot. And we're talking about the, the, the best teams in the league last year, the big leads they had at halftime on average. 
and the worst teams in the league, and they were horrible. But really, Tampa was right in the middle, but they were one of the best teams in the league going into the half. You know, like they shot themselves in the foot with leads over and over. I want to go all the way down to number 24 here, the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders won seven of their 16 games last year, but only five teams had a worse point differential than the minus 106 produced by Oakland. Uh, Oakland is, or by Oakland, Las Vegas now is a team that I don't know. Right, they were Oakland then. Yeah, yeah I don't know where to place them. I don't know how to feel about them. And and obviously they're down on your list here. I, I could see the argument that they're going to win a bunch of games here. I, I like some things that are going on there. And by the way, one of the, one of the storylines is not getting talked about a lot in the NFL. I think we might start talking about it after the first week or first week or two of the season with so many. It was such a great draft class for wide receivers. And the thought was, I mean, and I was pumping this thought the whole time to 49ers fans on Locked On 49ers. Like, like pump the brakes on Brandon Ayuk. Don't expect too much. He's literally practiced for a week. No OTAs. No, right, right. no rookie camps. Uh, no preseason games. And if his hamstring's ready to go, he's probably going to start in week one, which is insane. There's been... Uh, Jerry Judy, the star of camp in Denver. CeeDee Lamb, the star of camp in Dallas. The Raiders might roll out there with two wide two rookie wide receivers starting in first rounder Henry Ruggs, and apparently Brian Edwards, the third rounder, has been even better than Ruggs in camp. So one of the things I thought it was gonna be so difficult for rookie wide receivers, maybe just throw that out. Maybe just throw that out because man, we're gonna see a ton of rookies out there playing early this year, which blows my mind. Yeah, I think that's true. I think I'm getting good reports on Judy and Lamb. And, you know, I think Rager was slated to start right away. I think Pittman's going to play a ton. I mean, they're, all of them, uh, there's none of them has been like, man, I haven't heard anything good about that guy. And you're right. Vegas is interesting. I mean, because uh, everyone gets better year to year on paper. So it's easy to say, well, that, they got, you know, they, they were minus 106 in point differential last year. But they got better. But so did all their opponents so far. You know, usually if you are that much different in point differential, you're going to come back to uh, in a negative way. And I, I kind of am down on them. You know, Marcus Mariota just went to IR. I guess that's something we should have mentioned earlier. But it was going to be car show at least from the beginning anyway. And I think he's fine. I think the offense has a chance to be pretty good. I don't love trotting out rookie receivers, but. I think Waller and Jacobs and that O-line and Carr should keep the offense pretty strong. I don't know where the defense is close to being good enough, though. And when you look at this stat, so they won seven games despite that point differential. Does that mean they're going to get better or worse if they fix that? Because it was a miraculous, you know, it was like, does that mean they're really good and they, they had some bad beginnings of games uh like I, I can't even wrap my head around if that means that when this re, this stat regresses if that means they're going to be better or worse because um it's almost a miracle that they won seven games last year with that sort of a point differential yeah and here's another one and because again I'm sorry I'm, I'm tying it into the Steelers but the Steelers and the Raiders last year were the only teams in yards per play differential that added up it ended up being exactly even Steven they allowed the exact amount of yards per play on defense as they gained on offense. Well, Oakland was 5.9, where the Steelers were 4.7. Like, the Steelers were, uh, the defense was tied with New England and San Francisco as best in the league in that metric, but only the Jets' offense was worse. So they were these massive extremes of awesome defense, awful offense, where the Raiders were kind of, right in the middle, maybe a little low uh, for both, you know, and ended up even Steven. So 
can one side take a big step forward? I don't see it being the defense. One more quick one on the way out the door here. Chicago, the Bears' sack differential was one of the worst in the league last year. Surprisingly, the problem here was more Chicago's defense with just 32 sacks. You've got Khalil Mack, the best pass rusher. Uh, he was already he was still good last year, but maybe not the eye-popping numbers he's put up in the past. I expect him to be a lot better. Uh, this is one reason why you could say Chicago is going to be a lot better in the win-loss column than they were last year. And oh, by the way, Mitch Trubisky won the job, which is maybe a little bit surprising there in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, and again, I think this is one of the positive stats for the Bears. Like, I don't think they'll right. be a 32-sack type of defense. I think Quinn is much better than Floyd. Um, What's-his-face in the middle is a really good player, too. And Hicks. Mack is a stud. Yeah, Hicks. I don't know why I forgot his name. <laughs> but I, I feel like the offense is it has like the worst one of the worst protections in the league. Like, mm. when, I thought, when I saw their sack differential, I'm like, oh, the offense really let them down. So if they can keep it up, I mean, that would be one positive, but I'm worried that the offense can't keep it up, but I think the defense can step up. Odds that Mitch Trubisky starts all 16 games for the Bears and isn't replaced by Nick Foles? Uh, 5%. 5%, okay. Yeah, not, there's not a lot of expectations and uh, confidence outside of the front office and coaching staff, I guess, in Chicago for Mitch Trubisky. It's I really po- see that going back and forth like three times throughout the year. Really? Yeah. Which would be a bad sign for the Bears. Pulled and gets back in mm-hmm. and gets pulled and, you know. And maybe people are overvaluing what Nick Foles is. He's had some magical seasons, but, you know, he obviously he couldn't beat out Gardner Minshew. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, he, he might Very not be the savior that some people are thought, oh, well, Nick Foles, he's going to take him to the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, I, I think they'll be at the top of the list of quarterback needy teams next year. Good stuff, Matt. Find all of his latest at ProFootballNetwork.com. Congrats on the new show. No longer Dynasty Blueprint locked on Dynasty Football coming to a listening device near you. And Matt and I will be back tomorrow right here, the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show.